This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Today, we're going to be talking about our fantastic results against Villa and Manchester City, William and Pedro renewing their contracts till the end of the season, and diving into this week's topic, which is our situation at left back. Now, here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey, Berth, and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At the Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mikey, and joining me today is, of course, Berth and Chris. How are we doing on what has been a very, very hot week. Yeah, I mean, uh, you said it there. I am very, very, very hot right now. I've got a bit of ginger in me as well, so it's not, not helping in this heat. But I'm okay. Chris, how are you? Yeah, same as you, but I have to be fair. Not the ginger bit, but I, I always struggle in the heat. I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> That's all good then. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ice cream weather, but, you know, that, that the, what the listeners want to know is what's your go-to ice cream this weather. I mean, it's got to be a 99 for me. Classic standard. Nah, absolutely got to be a Calippo. If it's Ooh. not a Calippo, then get out. It's got to be a Calippo. You can get them from uh, nice little uh, off-brand versions from supermarkets as well for like 99 pence. So. I think it's so refreshing on like, a day like today. I mean, I can't big up a Calippo enough, to be honest. You know, I just had to actually... <laughs> Oh, I just had to Google what one was because I was like, I forgot what it was. Like, is that one of those... Is that one of them things you... They're already... They're like not in the freezer section, then you throw them in the freezer. I was like, oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah, no, they're uh, great. Everyone, everyone should have one of them, to be honest. So, refreshing treat. Yeah. Well, what is refreshing is to have the Premier League project restart in full swing. Where two games are in the books for Chelsea, and as from now, due to your, you know, due to yourself, listeners, your feedback, we will be doing small reviews of games as part of our news section before our weekly topic. So. With that, let's head into the newsroom and see what the latest goings-on are at Stamford Bridge. So we've got some... We have news. We have actual news before the game reviews, and that is Willian and Pedro have agreed new deals till the end of the season. Now, the end date of these contracts will be up to the date of the Champions League final, which is ambitious of them, if I'm honest. I mean, we might get there. We might. Gonna be a that'd be a miracle if we do. So yeah, how do you feel on this? These guys. I mean, we kind of we we, we were quite wary considering the news of uh, that broke last week about Pedro. But yeah, William Pedro till the end of the season at the least at the most. So yeah, thoughts. I mean, I think I think they're both true professionals really, and I think that was always going to happen. They're always going to sign a small contract extension till the end of this season. So I'm pleased. You know, if it, if they hadn't have accepted it or they'd have walked away from the club, then. I just think they'd have been very, very unprofessional. And those two, to be fair, you can criticise them all you want, but they are very, very good professionals. And I knew it was going to happen. I'm happy they're staying for a bit longer anyway. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm happy that they're, they're staying. I'm happy that Pedro, even though he's agreed his move to Roma, is going to see out the season with us. Gets like He won't get a proper send-off without the fans there, but he gets to play his last games and know it's his last game. So. Yeah, yeah, they're very true. It's professional. It's, it's, it's good of them. They don't have to, especially with their... You know, they're on the other side of 30. They want that one final big move if, obviously, William does leave as well. And we've seen across the EFL how players have decided, you know, in the Premier League as well, you've got Jeff Hendrick and Ryan Fraser decide, nope, I am not signing an extension because if I get injured, where am I going to go? And with the tough times we're all facing at the moment, it makes sense, but it's nice for them to do that. 
it, it's appreciated. And I did some very nice art for Pedro as a, a goodbye, which I'm uh, pretty proud of. It's got it's got two thousand uh, upvotes on Reddit at the moment, which was uh, I was like, oh, that was that got me buoyant. <laughs> so yeah, that's the win. Um, yeah. Uh, next bit was Joe Kohler's left Chelsea FC. No, no, it's not 2010 listeners. It's no back to the future time travel. He's left as the role of a coach because he said he's sure one day he'll return to the club, but he wants to go around the world and learn different things about coaching and all that sort of thing, which is fair enough. I don't know what you feel on that, guys, but, you know, it's a fair enough thing. It's a bit of a shame, but I hope he does come back and with his new whatever get he learns from uh, going around the world, hopefully... You know, you can bring to Chelsea and bring some success, even more so to the academy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good to sort of go around the world and play trade in other places and, you know, get different ideas from people. You don't want to be sort of set in stone in one club for the rest of your life, especially when you just started out in a new career. I, I read that he also wants to like, focus on BT Sports and his uh, punditry there, which is fair enough. You know, and, you know, Joe Cole, again, another true professional, great mind, great player. And like he said, I'm sure one day you will go back to Chelsea. I mean, it'll always be welcome at Chelsea and Stamford Bridge in my eyes. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, he's a Chelsea fan at heart, isn't he? I, I seen him on BT Sport for the, the game yesterday and he, he just seemed like a Chelsea fan sitting there watching it. So. Yeah, true. I mean, you saying that about yesterday, did you know that Liverpool won the title? Because BT Sport didn't mention it. Which you know what? Can I this, this is really, really annoying me. Right, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. BT Sports, Sky Sports, BBC, they should all be ashamed of themselves because last night, <laughs> Chelsea played really, really well. Man they City, did. Chelsea, probably the best game since the restart. But you know what it was all about? Liverpool. And fair enough to Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. they have deserved the title. 100% True. they have. But we did not get this amount of publicity when Leicester won the league, when Blackburn won the league, when Chelsea won the league for the first time. It is an absolute disgrace. It's so biased. And I cannot get over <laughs> how badly biased it is. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I'm going up <laughs> here. But it has to be said. And I'm, I'm fuming about it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. Because it was like every five minutes, it was... And if this gives it away, it's Liverpool. So it's like fair play. They've been the best team this season. But the thing is, Stephen Manaman, who's played for Liverpool, is a Liverpool fan. He hardly talks about Liverpool. It was Darren Fletcher and Glenn Oddle and Jay Humphries that were talking about it. I mean, what, what's going on? Chelsea and Man City are playing, not Liverpool. I know what well, the aspirations yeah. are, but come on, talk about them first, it, then Liverpool. It, it, it was a shame that we didn't get the... I understand why, because it's such a big event, but yeah, it was a shame that we didn't get mentioned. But talking of games, we've got, we'll have got. we go straight into the Villa one. Yeah, Villa, I found, I found that game, it ended um, 2-1. We came from behind which was really important considering we went 1-0 in, 1-0 down at half-time, which was so frustrating because what are we going to say again? We conceded from a set piece. How many times have we said that now? Before Chris was on the show, that's all Berth and I used to say was set piece, zonal marking, and it used to always catch us out and it did it again. I mean, what were your thoughts on that particularly, the goal, especially after we dominated? Chris, I'll let you talk about uh, this goal before, before I go into it. <laughs> I think it sums our season up. We dominated the game and then gave away one silly free kick. And we just, we, we never seem to attack the first ball. We always lose the first ball and relying on the second ball falling to us. But I think Christensen has to take a lot of flack for that goal. Centre half standing still when the ball's rebounding around his penalty area. Just wasn't good enough. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, for me, he... A lot of times this season, we haven't been first to the second ball a lot in the box, whereas 
you go back 10, 15 years and the likes of John Terry and Carvalho, those types of goals never happened, really. I mean, never, ever did. Now we've got Christensen and Rudiger. And Christensen had a brilliant game against City, but against Villa, you're right, it was his error. He was just, yeah. he looked, he weren't concentrating really, he weren't focused and he was just sort of ambling to the ball. And, you know, Villa wanted it more, that's all you can say. Villa wanted that goal. Christensen has to hold his hands up and say, it was my fault. Yeah, it, that's pretty fair. I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating. We get a set piece and you do think, and, you know, we'll go on to the City game as well, but that was a beautiful sublime bit of skill and talent. But yeah, we dominate that entire first half and yeah, Villa are always going to sit back and soak it up and then counter. Fair play, that's, you know, when you're playing against one of the top six, it makes sense to do that. You, you're not going to go all out for the attack and then get smacked three, four nil. It makes total sense. It's just so frustrating that it's a set piece again. Um, you know, special shouts out for me would be N'Golo Kante. Fantastic. He came back from, you know, everyone was concerned. Would he start? Would he be on the bench? How would he be? Because obviously he took for personal reasons with the training situation. He was incredible. And Mason Mount as well. Absolutely top performer as well from uh, them two. And another one I got down here was Azpilicueta. He got two assists. He was, he was arguably our best defender. He's in my FPL wildcard team, which is uh, nice to have. So that's a nice little thing there. But yeah, we were talking before Chris came on the uh, show and joined joined the team. There was people calling Aspilicueta's Chelsea career over and done. And he had that break, came back, and he was exceptional since. Yeah, Aspilicueta, Kante and Mount, what, what were your thoughts on them three? Yeah, I, th- I thought Kante was back to his best, really. He broke up the play. He was everywhere. I mean, he never gave Aston Villa's midfielders any peace. He was just... And you know what? He's really good on the ball as well, um, which, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he's not as good as Jorginho Kovacic. And he isn't. Don't get me wrong, he isn't. But I thought he was very good in possession. He transitioned into the attack very, very well. And I thought, you know, he was one of our best players. Mount, for me, he was my man of the match. I I thought he was outstanding. For me, I I don't think he's a number 10. I think he really is transitioning into a a number eight more than anything. He's sort of a box-to-box midfielder. And, you know, just buzzing about everywhere, pockets of space. And, you know, he... Again, like Kante, doesn't give the defenders of the opposition any any space or any, any time to play the ball. He's just a really, really good all-round performance from Mount. And again, as for the Quetta, reliable as ever, really good in defence, and obviously got two assists as well. Something that you don't really say about as for the Quetta is his end product, but it was fantastic, and he got us over the line, thankfully. Yeah, um, I thought Mount really set the tone for us really he, that, that first half when a, we was a bit a bit laboured and a bit slow he was the one who was still trying to get us to press he's very good at pressing high up the pitch and trying to nick the ball back off the opposition before they can mm. move on into midfield uh, which against the better teams not the Aston Villas but the better teams really is important because it'll stop hopefully teams getting to our back four which isn't as solid at the minute yeah to attack us anyway so, yeah. Yeah. Mount was outstanding. Uh, he, My only problem with is it takes him probably 10 crosses a game to get that one perfectly right. But yeah. can't moan it to assist from a right back. He was, he, he's, he's always solid, always gives 100%. I, I, do, I do love Azpilicueta. I just think when we're playing against teams who are going to sit back, his quality on the ball isn't good enough. That's fair points, fair points. I mean, Mason Mount won the uh, the poll on Twitter for Man of the Match at 37.7% on our Man of the Match poll anyway. So he, he deserved it. And another subs, they worked wonders, didn't they? I mean, Pulisic, he came on, well, wide impact, 
Ross Barkley, for me, he was decent. And, you know, I said he would want to prove himself. That's why he wasn't skipping leg day. And he did impress me against Villa. And which two quick goals, which was great. I was celebrating once and I was celebrating again. And I didn't have to turn around on my sofa and look for Man United fans laughing at me after. But I did. I did. <laughs> I was wary. I won't lie. When Giroud scored, I did think, is it going to go to the AR? I'm just so used to it now. I'm just so yeah, used to being uh, crushed. I was the same. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. Not at all. But yeah, that was the Villa game. And we'll kind of mash this into the City review because over the weekend, obviously, our rivals for the top four, they all are Wolves. Drop points. Obviously, Wolves uh, beat Bournemouth. But Leicester drew against Brighton. Brilliant. You know, can't say fair on that. Sheffield United, obviously, lost to United. And let me pull this up. I've not rehearsed this at all. Terrible, terrible. Villa drew 0-0 with Sheffield United, of course they did, which was brilliant. And again, Watford 1-1 with Leicester. So that was, so far, everyone's dropping points. And we come on to the City game. And what a win. What a win for Frank Lampard's Chelsea. You know, 2-1. I was blown away at how well we took that game because no one gave us a hope and a chance in this game. And yet... It was almost a throwaway game for me. I thought we're not, we're expecting to get nothing. A draw would be fantastic. I thought a draw would probably be most accurate. But yeah, especially we're now one point behind Leicester in third, one point. And we've, we're playing them in the FA Cup this weekend. So we could get a psychological advantage if we go and beat them. Before I go into my points about my positives of the game, what did you lads think of that game? I'll, I'll jump straight to Chris for this. What, what were your thoughts? I actually was really impressed with the way Lampard set the team up. We played quite defensively, but with two attacking midfielders with Kante in there. But he played Mount and Barkley, who both like to get forward. So I think he learned from the game at the Etihad when we sat back and tried to counter. But second half in that game, we didn't get out of our own half because we didn't have enough runners. So he set us up to always have runners for midfield. So when we counter-attacked last night, we, re- we counter-attacked in numbers, which I think made the difference between us creating the chances that we did and the chances that we didn't at the Etihad earlier in the season. So I think Lampard deserves a lot of credit. His record against the traditional big six this season, Man United aside, is actually really good. So I think he is learning really quick how to play in those big games. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great point, actually, about, you know, Mount and Barkley sort of playing as more attacking full, uh, midfielders. So we had a quicker transition into attack. I think that's a great point. For me, I, I, you know, a lot of people said about Kante, oh, he can't be a lone defensive midfielder. I thought he, he was fantastic. Yeah, there was a few misplaced passes, but I thought personally, he was superb. I, I really did think he, he was quality. And you know what? Barkley and Mount, they ran and ran and ran. And, you know, fair play to those two. But for me, Pulisic, he was the star man. I think his goal... What a goal. What uh, a what, goal. I, I don't think that goal has got talked about enough, but... I mean, Arsenal fans going about that Martinelli goal. It's the composure, us. isn't it? Because you it, know, I mean, you've, you, when you're through like that, you've got the pressure. Everyone's going, you've got to score that. You have no option here but to score. And that is pressure. You know it's, what, as well? It, for me, it reminded me, uh, it reminded me of the goal that Owen scored against Argentina in the 98 World Cup. He used his pace to get past one. He slowed the ball down. Then he went past Mendy. And Mendy, in all fairness, had a shocker at that point. But Pulis, when he's running for a goal... I think the lack of crowd could have actually put him off because I think he's got so much time to think about it. Then he's got no no noise in his ears. He's got nothing. It is literally just him in silence. And he's running down on goal. And a lot of players could have easily scuffed that chance. But I call terrific finish. And I thought 
we were fantastic. And again, big shout out to Christensen as well, who I thought was tremendous. I thought that was probably his best game in a Chelsea shirt. Yeah, fair. That's, I agree there. He didn't put a foot wrong all game. I mean, yeah, it was great to see. I mean, the top four is ours to lose. It, it truly is, especially with the... We, we still don't know what's going on with Manchester City. So, you know, it could be top five is enough. But either way, I think right now, Wolves and Man United, of course, they're going to be on our heels. But we've got a five... I, if, I, if it was me, I'd be less... Leicester, I think they could slip out this top four, realistically. I know that looks... Mm, with seven games left, but... I don't know what you feel, but I feel that we're 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 it's a shoe in the top four, but we still got to keep our heads and take each game. But it's ours to lose. It, it's definitely ours to lose. You know, we've been poor against the the lower place sides this season. So West Ham is a big game. If we get past West Ham, I'll start to think. You know what? Top four is ours. I agree with you, Berth. I think last night was almost a, a bonus three points. So as long as we follow that mm. up, winning against West Ham. I think then we've really cemented our place in that top four. And I'm with you, Mikey, to be fair. I worry for Leicester. They haven't yeah. coming back at yeah. all. They've looked very rusty. I'd probably say they're the most rusty-looking team since the restart, Leicester, which is a shame. Yeah, it's, it's all that work's undone. It, it would be a, a true shame. I mean, before we leave the newsroom, we had a question in here uh, from Amin Villa 94 and he said, Berth, how do you hmm. feel to be Redditch Players Player of the Year? <laughs> had to get it in. Had to get it in. Uh, <laughs> Well, Chris is my manager, so I mean, Chris, <laughs> I'm going to be as modest as possible here. But I I'm think suspicious here. I, I think it's very, very deserved that I got Player of the Year, and I think we'll leave it at that and go out of the newsroom. What about you, Chris? What do you think on that? Totally deserved that. Solid performer you are. Brilliant, See? brilliant. Fair, fair play, fair play. Congratulations. <laughs> Right, on to our main topic, and it is about left-back. Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner are signed. They're sealed. They're heading to the bridge for the 2020-21 season, whenever that does go ahead, of course. But one position that we desperately need a new addition for is, of course, that left-back slot. There have been many transfer rumours floating around about who that will be. But today, we're going to be looking at these prime candidates and maybe a few wildcard options to consider who we feel that should get a look in. So, full disclosure, all the stats on my paper in front of me are pre-pandemic. So I felt that was a fair way to judge them because obviously, as Berth mentioned in the newsroom, you know, Leicester haven't been the best since. I mean, Chilwell scored an incredible goal over the weekend, but it's still, it's, let's judge them whilst they had full fitness with them. It's, it's only fair. So first, lads, what are your thoughts on our current two left-backs we have right now in Marcus Alonso and Emerson, though? Uh, uh, I mean, what haven't we said about those two, really? Um, Chris, I think you should have an input on this because me and Mikey have talked... Yeah, I'm quite in, in long form about <laughs> about Emerson and Alonso. Yeah, so I think Chris, let's, let's see your thoughts on the matter. Alonso, I know he gets, and I'm I'm one of them. I sit and watch Chelsea games sometimes, and the amount of times I criticise Alonso, but I think I would like to see Alonso stay as a backup left back, just because yeah, it's goal threat more than anything. I think there will be games, especially home games against lesser sides, when it won't matter how poor you are defensively if they have a team who aren't very good on the counter-attack, so you're not going to get found out defensively. And Alonso, he does pop up with really important goals, like the two away at Bournemouth earlier in the season. So I'd like to see Alonso stay as a backup left back, and that's Sal Emerson, who really, I haven't really seen anything of that I've thought, yeah, there's potential there. I know he's not 
that old, but there's nothing that's really stood out that I thought, oh, he's really good going forward or he's really good defensively. He just seems okay at both, but not great at either. You know what? Yeah. At the start of the season, I'd say, you know what, keep Emerson sell Alonso. But I think the problem with Emerson is Alonso was so bad towards the end of last season and the start of this season. You thought, oh, he's not a left back, he's a left wing back. And then Emerson had a few decent games at the start of the season. But then as our form dropped, Emerson just got exposed quite a bit and he looked really poor at times. I mean, I mean really poor. I mean, for a left back, he, he isn't that good going forward. His final delivery isn't actually that good. Alonso's is better. He doesn't get as many goals as Alonso defensively. He's, he's much quicker than Alonso. I mean, there's no taking that from him. But I think defensively, they're very similar. I think Alonso maybe is probably better defensively. So I think, unfortunately for Emerson, he just got overexposed at the start of the season. I think that's what's sort of ruined him slightly. And for me, like Chris said, Alonso just offers more to the team. So I would keep Alonso as, as a fullback option. Yeah, it depends who comes in for either in the summer. Uh, Juventus is probably going to come in for Emerson, I think. And we'll see, Juventus are spending the money at the moment. So that's going to be, uh, be interesting to see. Yeah, mm. pretty fair. I mean, Marcus Alonso does offer that attacking threat. And we've spoke tactically about how... I'd love to push him up more forward, but obviously, and then he gets man-marked quicker, more, and yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, on to who could fulfil the left-back role. Everyone knows the prime candidates by now. It's Ben Chilwell, it's Nicolas Tagliafico and Alex Tellez, Leicester, Ajax, Porto, respectively. We'll go straight to Chilwell. You know, he's from Leicester. He's the main man. He's the main target, if we're led to believe that with the media. He's, he's been linked for a long time now, and... It feels it's clear to me that Lampard is a huge admirer of this 22-year-old. So let's break down our thoughts on Ben Chilwell. I mean, for me, he's got a lot of potential, but he also has a lot to learn. I mean, yeah. I mean, what mm. do you think? What do you think on Ben? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've liked Ben Chilwell, to be honest, for a very long time. He's English, so the price tag will be naturally higher than Tellez or Taglifico. But I think what is the benefit of getting Chilwell's Premier League experience, he's English, he's young, and he can defend quite well. He's a very good defender as well as an attacking fullback. So I think I personally really like him. I know it's seemingly cool to not like Ben Chilwell, but I actually think he's a very solid player. And I think if we spent fifty million on him, I actually don't think it'd be that bad of a of a buy. I'm with you, Beth. He doesn't think for some reason there seems to be this thing about Whenever you're on social media, it's all negative towards Ben Chilwell, and I don't really understand why. Like, what players haven't had inflated price tags over the past three, four years? Yeah, yeah, exactly. are getting more and more expensive, and I think fullbacks are because the way modern football is now, with wingers always coming inside and playing more attacking midfield roles, most of your attacking outlet does come from your fullbacks. So they do have a math, more of a bearing now on whether you win games or not than they ever did before. So I think 50 million, I'd be relatively happy. I agree with you, Berth. I think he's young, he's got good potential, he's English. And I think if the rumours are to be believed, he wants to come, which I think is a big thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he started off the season quite well. And, you know, he seems to start to look worth the, the big price tag but obviously as the season's gone on he, he has dropped a little in form and based on the social media over the weekend many fans like you've said they're claiming he was a, he was awful and he's not worth the money I think the problem is you always will pay that higher premium on an English talent it's just what it is whether you yeah. are for or against it, it is what it is you know 
if Ross Barkley or whoever wasn't, obviously we got Ross quite cheap because of his contract situation, but you know, you pay money for Harry Maguire was 80 million, 85, yeah. sorry, or something because he was English and Leicester didn't need to sell. They don't need to sell Chilwell, especially with his contract. They've got no reason to, but I, I think, yeah, he wants to, he wants to push for that move. And I think he'll eat, he wants to be at Stamford Bridge. I mean, my view on Ben Chilwell is that he's going he's to be England's first choice left back very soon. You know, I can't see any yeah. other player possibly taking that mantle from him. And if he keeps continuing to develop into the player that he clearly can be, he's going to get that position. I mean, he's thrived under Rodgers and he's got that license to get forward and create. And, you know, the stats here say that before the pandemic, he was averaging 22.18 passes per 90 in the final third. 0.45 big chances per 90, both of which put him among the top 25 four defenders in the English top flight. I mean, that's that's what we need. We need that offensive contribution. But as well, if you look at his defensive stats, you know, he's reliable. He's winning just shy of 60% of his tackles, he attempts. He's successful in two aerial duels per 90. And he's rarely exposed at the back post, something which we can strongly say is not the case for Alonso and Emerson. Yes. I yeah, mean, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think that's pretty wraps that up, really. I mean, there are cheaper alternatives who are better at this current stage. Now, that is kind of a very much by talent now, not by work in progress and watch mm. him grow into a top talent. Now, I'm not saying he isn't one for now, of course, because he, he clearly he clearly has that ability. But sadly, of the price, that price tag. Yeah, you can thank Man United and Harry Maguire for the overpriced uh, price tag there. Leicester don't need to sell him, as I've said, and they're going to aim for that high fee and they may just get it. You know, there's not just us involved, apparently, in for Ben Chilwell. Man City have been rumoured. But if he wants to move to London and play for Chelsea, then obviously it puts us at an advantage. Yeah. So, second target, Nicholas Tagliafico. Leicester are potentially looking at him to replace Ben Chilwell if he does leave in the summer. So, that's over to, you know, over to Ajax and with Nicholas Tagliafico. This lad, he's a, he's a good left back. You know, he's made his name in and around this new look Ajax team over the last few years. You know, he's got the Champions League experience, which he was part of that incredible team that got to the semi-finals and narrowly missed out to Spurs. We also know that Ajax have stated that they will keep their word and let him leave this summer if his price is met. That price was rumoured again, set at £35 million. What are your thoughts on Tagliafico? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's a really good left back, solid again. Played in a very successful Ajax team, so he's got exposure to the Champions League, which is something that Ben Chilwell hasn't really had. Um, he's very good going forward. It's always a risk against someone from the Dutch League. We've bought Ziyech, obviously, so he could be a risk as well. But defenders especially, I feel that it's, it's a different game in England. The intensity is so much higher than it is in Holland. He's not going to be winning every game if it comes to, to England. And... You know, it, it, it's a difficult one. I do like him, but I think Percy, I think Joel is a better defender. He's more solid. Tagliafico might be slightly better going forward, but I'd Percy still have Chilwell over Tagliafico. Yeah, I like him as well. He's he's a good, solid, like you said, left back. But has he ever been really tested defensively in the Dutch league? That's what would concern me if we signed him. It would be how would he handle some of the wingers he'd come up against in the Premier League, which he probably hasn't before except maybe in those Champions League games but then knockout football is always different isn't it over the course of a league season he may get found out defensively he may not he may turn out to be like a really good cheap cheapish sign in and we say oh that was the best option 
I'd be happy with either, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, oh, I would. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. He can, he can he can have that influence in that obviously that attacking third and he does seem to be defensively side again it is in the Dutch league I mean stats wise this season he's second among left backs in the Eredivisie for attempted tackles per ninety which is at two point six nine that's perhaps not something expected given Ajax often dominate the matches you know they're like they're like the Celtic they 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 always dominate the league obviously they were run quite close this year with AZ before the league was cancelled you know his open play expected goals assisted that's a mouthful. Uh, is of a uh, 0.27, which can't be matched by any other player in the Dutch top flight, which is certainly something. And apparently he had the option to join Arsenal before he signed a new deal with Ajax last May. So that's another one the Gunners probably missed out on. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way. But, you know, it, it's a good deal on paper to make, you know, especially with the ZX deal already taking place. That sort of shows that Chelsea and Ajax have a good working relationship. And we do know Lampard likes to buy players that he has seen play in the flesh and that's Ziyech straight away he's seen Ziyech play in the flesh Tagliafico obviously he's played very well both Champions League games against us in the group stage and as the summer gets closer this this may be a player we actually do turn to it'd be quite interesting to to see how that goes so finally the third name on this list it's Alex Tellers and I feel he's the fan's choice to fill that left back slot I mean they may Send me some nice abuse on uh, Twitter. Disagree, but if if we're all honest, I mean, PSG had their chance to secure the deal, and if rumours to believe they're they've since pulled out of a deal, financial reasons are the possibility. Which, when you think financial issues in PSG, you just laugh at such a thought. But uh, it's not possible. They're, they're absolutely one of the richest clubs in world football. But Alex Tellers, where where do you all stand, guys, on Alex Tellers? Well, I've seen I think... um, I've seen a, a Portuguese reporter talking about him possibly come into Chelsea. And he said that he doesn't believe Alex Tellez is any better defensively than Marcus Alonso. So that concerned me straight away. Yeah, that would concern me as well. Apparently, he's very good going forward and he's a good dead ball specialist. But defensively, he does get found out. And if he's getting found out defensively in Portugal, that would be a concern. Yeah. I think what you've got to look at is that a lot of Brazilian players naturally are very, very good going forward. They're very good technically. But Concentration is always a big problem with Brazilian defenders, as proven by David Luiz. I mean, it's, I yeah. feel that like Alex Telles is probably the best out of the, out of the three options, you know, going forward. I think incredible, incredible talent going forward. Dead ball specialist, I've seen him score some amazing goals. But defensively, is he better than Ben Chilwell? Is he better than Tagliafico? I don't think he is, personally. And again, the Portuguese league, it's a bit better, oh, it's more competitive than the Dutch league, but it's no Premier League, is it? Really, let's face it. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very fair. I mean, I looked at his Champions League stats, and they're not as good as his um, Portuguese league stats for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, that that's a worry for me. You know, yeah. his deal his deal expires in the summer of twenty twenty one. So if he isn't sold this winter, you know, it'll be in the summer because obviously there's only two windows left for him to be sold. And positively, you know, there are no signs that Tellez's powers are on the wane. You know, he is top amongst left-backs in Europe, top five leagues for crosses completed per 90, which is at 3.16, and second for big chances created per 90, which is at .66. And, yeah, this is where this is where I'm going to come on to the, the bit that we, you just both mentioned. Defensively, he isn't tested consistently, which is the worry. Is we've, we've got Marcus Alonso, who is almost similar in terms of attack versus defence concerns. Great set-piece taker 
great on the attack, but not defensively. And that is a huge problem. You know, we've said about set pieces and all that sort of thing. That's where we need the discipline of the defensive mind of a left back. Porto often control their matches, you know, but what is encouraging, he is winning 87% of the tackles that he does attempt on a per 90 basis. So that kind of gives you some hope where he's got the, he's got the determination to win that ball. And yeah, as I said, Porto needs to sell this player this summer if they want to get the most amount of money that they possibly can. They can't afford to let him go for free. That's mm. not how the Porto model works. And he's he's coming in at around the 25, 30 million pound price tag, which, you know, that, that changes every day. I mean, I see a report, 35 million, 20 million, it, it is what it is. But, you know, as for the player himself, he's a good left back and he's he's what we need, but We've been a long-term admirer of Tellers. You know, there's reports going back to 2017. I, I jokingly wrote down here, is he our Wesley Schneider to Manchester United-style rumour? Uh, I uh, I like him. I do like him a lot. But have, why have we not purchased or tried to purchase him before? Is it because of Alonso? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the stats compared. And uh, Chilwell, Chilwell does a lot of good. And I think that Chilwell would probably be i mean the who scored.com rating has tellers just out in front at 7.32 compared to tagliafico in second 7.3 you know you can you can you can look at stats all day and can draw several conclusions i mean yeah any final thoughts on tellers i mean is he is he the better option for the win now attitude or again i think i think you're looking at the price fans are looking at the price and looking at sort of yeah the going forward like you like on the counter attack, he'd be fantastic. He's quick. He's technically very, very good. Great, uh, great shooting. Great crossing. Fantastic. But will he be found out a bit in the Premier League defensively? Who knows? Again, I think Lampard is looking for the future, and I think Lampard would want Ben Shearwell out of the three. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. What do you think on that, Chris? Yeah, I think tell. I think people. A lot of football fans who don't, especially who don't watch a lot of different leagues, I think we'll see that he's a Brazilian fullback for that, for £25 million and think, yeah, go for him. He's Brazilian. But mm. with, those, with those stats that he just read out, he just seems like a quick Marcus Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, can, I can see the argument for and against him, really. I mean, there's, there's so many positives, but there's also the negatives. And, there's a lot of good left backs out there. I mean, I'll jump onto this. What are the wild card options that we could consider who, you know, that haven't been met? Maybe they've been mentioned. Maybe they haven't. You know, maybe you've seen someone on Football Manager that stands out for you that you think, you know, this guy, I found him randomly in South America for £500,000. We should bring him in. Who's, who do you think should be a potential wild card option? You know what? For me, I think we haven't talked about him. No one's really talked about him, but I think he's one of the best uh, left backs in the Premier League. And that's uh, Luca Dean from Everton. I think for me, He's very good defensively going forward. His crossing is fantastic. He's great dead ball specialist. Corners, he's brilliant out. Free kicks, brilliant. You know, gets up and down non-stop. Still relatively young. Premier League experience for me. And I think we could get him 30, 40 million, maybe 50. I think he's um, a fantastic player. I think that's a good show. Mine would be someone who we have been linked to the past few days, David Alaba. Mm. Yeah. I think he is. He's he's very good going forward. He's technically very good because I think he plays as like a number ten or something for Austria. Yeah, he does. That's, he's very yeah. versatile. Yeah, and I think defensively he's solid because he can also play centre back. And the reason why I think he'd be good for us is 
with such a young team, I think the one thing our back four is missing is leaders and he he has a wealth of experience and knows how to win trophies, which he has done numerous times for Bayern Munich now. And yeah. I think he'd bring some leadership to that back four. He'd defend the back post, like you said earlier, because being able to play centre-back, he's obviously good in the air. So yeah. I think he'd be a good option. And I don't think he'd be that expensive. No, no I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote down here two players that... Um, they're both unrealistic. Well, maybe they're not unrealistic. But uh, Teo Hernandez from Milan. He's been incredible for them since joining from Real Madrid. And yes, he is the brother of Lucas Hernandez, who plays for... Is he at, he's at Bayern now, isn't he? And he could move on, I think. Yeah. yeah. He joined from Atletico. Yeah, he's, he's, been a t- he's been the standout player for Milan. He really has in another tough season for them. And of course, a fellow Bayern left-back. And this is probably why Alaba's almost probably available. Alfonso Davis, what a player. I mean, it won't happen, but he's such a top player. He used to play on the wing in the MLS for Vancouver Whitecaps when I saw when I, cause I'm a big watcher of the MLS. And yeah, he's such a top talent. He's really turned into a new left back for a well, left wing back for Bayern Munich. But David Alaba, David Alaba is a really good shout and he could be he could be cheaper than you think. He's 28 at the moment, so he's obviously older than Chilwell. Um, yeah, uh, Robin Gosens as well from Atalanta. I mean, they're one of the most hottest teams on the planet right now. Their attacking qualities are insane. And again, he's got he's, he's brilliant defensively and brilliant on the attack. Whether Atalanta, Atalanta do have that model like similar to Porto where they sell to to then rejuvenate the squad. So whether they'd let a couple of pieces leave this summer, I don't know. We do have a good relationship with the club because obviously we've just let uh, Palisic join them permanently, though I don't think we had a choice because there was a buy clause in it. So, yeah. But yeah, there's some good shouts. I mean, Alaba for sure. Uh, what, any thoughts on um, Gozens or Hernandez or Davis yourselves? Yeah, I mean, for me, the pick of those three is Alfonso Davis. I thought he was unbelievable against us. He's so, so quick. I've never seen a quicker player than him for a normal life. And I've seen him at Dynamo Traore. So, you know, he's a fantastic player and he's really, really young. I don't yeah. think Bayern I, I will sell him. I think that he's quite no. unrealistic. But, you know, he, he's one for the future and he probably will be the best left-back in the world at some point. I'm pretty sure of it. So I think he he's definitely the pick of the bunch if you had to pick one. Well, yeah, he's so young at 19 and he was absolutely phenomenal against us in the Champions League. He really just, he just showed us up. And, you know, when a 19-year-old lad's doing that, you you, you know you've got a special talent here. You really yeah. have. I mean, simple as that. I mean, what are your thoughts on those uh, three shout-outs, uh, Chris? Yeah, Alfonso Davis, obviously he was incredible against us. And on with Berth, I'm pretty sure he's the quickest player I've ever seen. There was one There was one against us where he got caught out of position. He, our attacker must have had 20 yards on him and he made it up in no time at all. So. Yeah, I think it was Mason Mount. He got ahead of him and then yeah. Alfonso Davis just put the afterburners on and just got back and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous speed. In terms of the other two, I think um, I've heard good things about Dawson from Atlanta and uh, I haven't really seen much of Theo Hernandez at AC Milan. But Serie A, it's a decent standard league. So if they're doing well there, and it's normally transferable to the Premier League. Yeah, you like to hope so. It's always that worry about the Dutch League. I mean, we've got Ziyech and people are going to question him until he, obviously, he comes over. But again, you've got to look at the Champions League experience. I feel that that really does show how good a player is in one of these lessly considered leagues. Like, it's not a German Bundesliga, it's not the Premier League. And when you look at the Champions League stats of the ones we've got, obviously, the targets to the main three, Chilwell, he hasn't got the experience there, unfortunately. But Tellez and Tagliafico, Tellez just, he doesn't 
sort of show on that stage. He hasn't shined whilst Tagliafico has. So, yeah, for me, if it's between Chilwell and Tagliafico, I, I'd go with Chilwell. You know, if Tagliafico is available, I'll take that as well, either option. And if David Alaba's there, wow, what, what, what a team we could have like next season with Alaba, Werner, Ziyech, Pulisic as well, and so much talent in this side. And I'm very excited for next season. I really, really am. Whenever it starts, it's going to be one exciting season. I think Liverpool should maybe not concern themselves too much with City. I think they're going to come back strong, but I think Chelsea could be certainly one to watch next season, really. Yeah, agreed. I could not agree with you more. I think just going back to the Alaba point, I think if we were to go for him, I think, as Chris mentioned earlier, I think we may go for him as an actual centre-back, not a left-back. Oh, OK. Yeah, they that help. That, that's what I think Lampard would do because I think you, we do need to strengthen the centre-back role. I think uh, Alaba would be fantastic for that role. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I just pulled a face, not in a negative way. I was like, yeah, I didn't think of that. I mean, we could play him in an attacking midfield role. I mean, he's got the versatility there, which is which is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, we'll have <laughs> to could. see. I mean, I just had to quickly Google uh, the David, David Alaba links because I'd, I'd heard about it. I didn't know if it was actually, there was much uh, concrete evidence to it because usually it's the sun. And... Um, to listeners from America, if you think, what's the Sun? The Sun is a paper that we you don't trust too much for sports news, if we're honest. I mean, yeah, it's not got the most uh, concrete track record, so you have to sort of take it with a pinch of salt. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops this summer. That's going to be our next major sign-in, depending on what happens with Kai Abbott, of course. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And with that, I feel we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So of all, as of course, as always, where can our listeners find you guys on social media? Uh, Chris, do you want to go first this week? Yeah, uh, Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams. Give me a follow. <laughs> uh, and I'm at Chris Burford on Twitter and on Instagram, I am Burf underscore 94. Very nice. You, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram and a question usually on the Totally Football Show, of course, uh, as that redhead dude. But for all things at the bridge, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching for at the bridge pod. So, Drop us a like and a follow to keep up to date on all things Chelsea. So till next time, listeners, this is us three signing off. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.